Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Hey, Corey, how's it going? It's going, going in multiple directions. Right? I mean, it, and fast too. It's like a oh, whirlwind. Wow, my head is on a swivel, and I'm mm-hmm. digging into so many things while trying to also knock out this report. It's just been crazy. Yeah, it has been, and a lot going on. So we have a lot to cover this week. So um, we're going to talk about. Uh, The article I just recently put out on your site called Green New Death, um, Mm. all about the climate hoax. Um, We're going to get into the Zelensky grift tour and really more about um, what's going on, what's really going on in Ukraine uh, with globalists backing rescue centers for children in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And while we're getting reports on child trafficking and organ harvesting and all of that. We have a lot to say on that front. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we got to talk about the border invasion. I know you have a lot to say about that as well. And uh, it kind of ties into this battle that's happening in Congress uh, right now over spending and debt and inflation and economic collapse and more money for mm-hmm. Ukraine and <laughs> no money it for the border. Right. And right. and farming stuff going on. Lots, lots going on around the farming and the farm bill. And it's just... Yes. I don't know how we're going to cover all this in an hour, but we're going to try. And then we'll wrap up with a couple of tidbits. One on mRNA jabs for cancer. See, we told you it wasn't just about COVID. Yeah. Opened the doorway for everything to be mRNA, right? Yeah. All right. So up front. And Mina's new fancy glasses. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. So lots to get into. We'll get started with this latest article that I wrote for Corey's site called The Green New Death. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to read all of it, but this was um, an interesting one to put together. And I got to put a lot of commentary, personal commentary in there, which I usually stay pretty fact-based. But It's so one... much more fun writing when you get to do that, though, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I could definitely throw my opinion in this one. Uh, But I talked about a lot of stuff in this one that is fact-based. I wrote the article just really to highlight how the climate cult's Green New Deal policies have just deadly and disastrous consequences. And I went through uh, several examples of where this is undeniable, uh, specifically on the fires in both Maui and in California. Um, And I laid out how these catastrophes wouldn't have really occurred were it not for climate alarm and climate alarmism. Right. Right. No matter how you slice it. Yeah. Meaning manufactured or not, it still all has to do with the climate hoax. Absolutely. I mean, it's these policies that they put in place, these bureaucracies that they put in place to stonewall any kind of real um, action that's necessary to make sure that fires don't occur, right? And then it's putting money into this climate hoax, this boondoggle, while not shoring up existing infrastructure. Sabotage. Total Mm -hmm. sabotage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I talked about... um, this story of a CO2 pipeline leak in Satarsha, Mississippi. And this is a pretty little known story. It didn't get very much coverage, but I think it's important because it really highlights what can go wrong because um, a CO2 pipe explosion happened in Satarsha and it really poisoned the residents in that area. And um, it's a, 
a harbinger for what's to come because the Biden regime is really planning to, is mapping out a way to do CO2 carbon capture pipelines, uh, an entire network across the country. Uh, Despite the fact that it's incredibly dangerous, it has zero impact on so-called climate, and it's a complete waste of taxpayer money. Besides all of that, I mean, it it really, uh, you know, the people of Satarsha could tell you directly how how dangerous this was. Yeah. So people know Mississippi and Mississippi. Yeah. Just a small town CO2 pipeline uh, leak. And it was it was only because that particular CO2 pipeline had been um, contaminated with other um, gases that had a like the stinky egg smell that Uh. it forewarned those residents when normally CO2 um, would be odorless. Right. And so we would have had real casualties in that incident but um yeah co2 is normally odor odorless but very dangerous because what it does is it displaces the oxygen if there's a leak it it, or explosion it displaces the oxygen in in the area and extreme exposure such as the case was you know with this area in mississippi mississippi extreme exposure can cause asphyxiation um you know so people were collapsing they were uh suffocating they were convulsing it it was crazy and um, And i don't even remember hearing about this and and i know that a lot of people on social media pointed out that this is the first they're hearing about it as well yeah yeah so yeah you can definitely find more information on that story i get into a little bit more detail about it about the side effects of this and the plans that the biden regime has as well as private industry what they have as far as plans on this you know exploding new industry which is really just a boondoggle another climate boondoggle of called uh you know carbon capture yep Yep, yep. And then um, I got into electric vehicles, uh, the fires and explosions that, um, you know, they cause, and also the really the barbaric conditions of modern day slave in the Congo, which supply the rare earth minerals for these electric vehicle batteries. And it just really exposes how not only is this not good for the planet, and how this is not you know, environmentally sound policy to be digging up these rare earth minerals, but how anti-human this policy is um, because of how it really drives this entire slave enslavement system. I mean, these people out of, you know, in Africa digging up these rare earth minerals are living in barbaric conditions, up to 2,000 people dying a year just so people can feel virtuous about about buying Mm -hmm. these electric vehicles. Yeah. It's sick. Um, and they want to expand this industry, right? Like that's, they want, uh, I think it's like 50%, the Biden regime wants like 50, at least 50% of all vehicles to, uh, to be electric vehicles by 2030. And so um, this is like just a complete dream. They're living in a dream world because the, because of the fact that these rare earth minerals are so hard to obtain because China really um, controls and dominates the the uh, supply chains and um so it's it's really living in a dream world for them to try to accomplish this but they don't even care um you know how many people are dying to dig up these rare earth minerals and i got also got into the the safety aspect of it um with these cars 
um, and the explosions and fires because these batteries, the lithium ion batteries are known to be there. They burn really fast, really hot. They're like explosions of fire. They're really hard to put out and mm. it's hard to escape them quickly um, because they happen so fast and so violently that people keep dying from, you know, these types of fires, explosive firing fires. And uh, so the, uh, you know, the administration tries to say, oh, you know, this, these are rare events, but the truth is really <laughs> that it's just, you know, it, the EV industry is still such a small market uh, the right. more that it increases. And if, especially if we're going to 50% by 2030, I mean, right. we're going to have these kinds of explosions happening all the time. And I mean, like just one happened, you know, earlier this week, um, a massive explosion fueled by EV batteries uh, tore up this airport, killed at least one person. They're still trying to, I think, go through the rubble. Um, 163 people injured um and the blast was seen and felt for 20 miles like and the it's... person that was killed was a 15 year old boy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you, you see, seeing these kinds of headlines all the time so um yeah. but uh by far when you get uh go through the support you see that the most deadly consequences of the climate cult policies have been through freezing and famine and Absolutely. yeah, I mean, thousands of people we're talking about last winter uh, in Europe um, died due in part, at least, um, to the high cost of energy um, in the winter. And so, um, you know, this was entirely manufactured by globalist climate cult energy policies and exacerbated by the, you know, the proxy war with Russia. Yeah. And, and definitely, you know, in the last section, I got in into the war on farming. Um, because mm. that is by far uh, what would kill off the most people um, if we implement such dangerous climate cult po policies. Um, because I got into, you know, how if we reduced net zero policies, eliminated nitrogen fertilizers, that's literally going to result in the, the, the starvation of about 4 billion people. Mm. It's insane. And so it when is you totally insane. Yeah. And, and then you... I don't understand how people keep buying this crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't understand how they how they buy it either, uh, because um, not only does this report really kind of point out the hypocrisy and silliness of their plans, how they make no sense. Um, it also points out how deadly and dangerous they are. And it really makes you come to the conclusion that this is nothing about you know, nothing to do with climate change. It has nothing to do with the climate. It has everything to do with depopulation. Right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So check that report out. Um, maybe you can send it to one of your friends that drives an electric vehicle. <laughs> Be like, hey, man, what are you doing? This is... Scare the heck out of them. Don't you get what's happening here? Um, yeah, so... Uh, moving on, I think that because we got a ton to cover, let's let's get into um, let's get into this whole thing uh, with Ukraine, um, child trafficking, har organ harvesting. I'm just going to tee it up a little bit by summarizing Zelensky's, um, you know, tour, grift tour last week. So he went, you know, to the U.N., the White House. Um, and of course, I'm sure everybody's heard about how he uh, ended up in the U the Canadian Parliament, where they honored a Nazi as a war hero for s yeah. with a standing ovation. Absolutely sickening. Yeah, 
and they, <laughs> and they immediately backpedaled after all the backlash on that. Yep, yep. Uh, but the Ukraine grift is really getting exposed for what it is. And, you know, that's funding. Um, it's, you know, funding and these these corrupt people in Ukraine. It's, you know, one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Uh, and they have actual Nazis still deeply embedded in their military. So not surprising mm -hmm. that they were honoring a Nazi um, person, a Nazi uh, military um, official as a war hero in the Canadian parliament there. But, um, you know, this is this country has really been used by uh, the globalist cartel as a hub for yeah. years for money laundering and criminal activity um and this includes mm -hmm, exactly it includes you know uh being a major hub for child trafficking and organ harvesting and so that's why it should really raise red flags for you uh when you see the clintons and the pope are promoting <laughs> human humanitarian efforts on ukraine particularly with funding child rescue centers and schools and then wanting to bring in marina abramovic to assist with these schools i mean yeah. the whole thing is just a shit show it is so it is so i'm gonna read this right, right here so people kind of get the specifics on it so um the clinton global and gosh if i can scroll down it keeps skipping uh the clinton global <laughs> initiative um, they're they're funding a nonprofit called Save Ukraine, um, hmm. which has open community centers across the country to help families and especially children traumatized by the war and works to, quote unquote, rescue Ukrainian children who have been detained in Russia. And it's set to receive commitments from the, the Clinton Global Initiative and with those commitments plans to open more centers. So this is Save Ukraine right here. Mikola um, Kubela is the, um, the the CEO who runs Save Ukraine. And just for a little bit of information on this uh, nonprofit, um, they are supported by the UN. Uh, they're supported by USAID to you don't say mm -hmm, to quote unquote rescue kids that are reportedly taken into custody by Rus the Russian government during the war. And they're apparently, you know, apparently planning to build so-called rescue centers with with that support. Um, so, uh, Nicola Cabela, he is a former former ombudsman. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's like another term for sort of like a child services official, right? Okay. Like a top child services official. And he worked under Poroshenko. So um, that oh, was, yeah, the corrupt Ukrainian president that, you know, Biden bribed with a billion dollars to fire the <laughs> prosecutor, investigating Hunter. Yeah, that, that corrupt president. Um, so he worked under Poroshenko as like this top child services official before doing Save Ukraine. And he had some other nonprofits as well. Um, so this former ombudsman is now partnering with the Clinton Global Initiative to build child rescue centers. And Wait. the whole thing looks just like it's set up like Haiti 2.0 to traffic children, doesn't it? It sure does. And the funny thing is, is just so people know, um, I've been a scrambled, bambled mess here working on a 30-page report on something different while also investigating something on the borders that's going into a separate report. And then I start 
looking into as soon as I see, you know, Clinton's and the Pope and Marina, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to go back into my old report I did on the Clinton's connections with trafficking. And um, because I, I, I just needed to start cross-referencing stuff. So I didn't even know what you just shared. I wasn't even aware of that because I was looking into something totally different. Like we don't sit and research and plan all this and script all this. This is just like on the fly. <laughs> Yeah. So, so now to add to that, what you just said, um, I want to point people to this report I did back in 2019. And it's not just about the Clintons, but it certainly shows all of their connections to convicted pedophiles and child traffickers, but also the creation of all of the alleged, you know, so-called protections for children like the databases and the trackers and the reports and we're going to help find them and working with the police such as you know the uh national center for missing and exploited children and the um international center the i icmec which also plays a key role here and so i just want people to understand if you scroll down to the fine picture of hillary there you go in 1998, or 1998, members of the board of the newly created International Care Center for Missing and Exploited Children held their first meeting in April 1999. And it was launched by the First Lady Hillary Clinton, Lady Catherine Meyer, uh, Cherry Booth Blair, wife of former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, and of course, Richard Branson's mother, Eve Branson, was a founding board member and Richard Branson was a uh, founding sponsor. And it's just, it's just all creepy as hell. So, wow. Yeah. Look at this face. Of, Look at this I, face. I know. So smug. Diabolical. Ooh, diabolical. There you go. Mm, so yeah. I cover so many details and evidence and timelines and connections in this report. I highly recommend people read this. And what I want to point out is I'm going to read this short little paragraph. Uh, in 2005, six years after the launch of ICMEC, it was estimated that 600 to 800,000 humans were trafficked across international borders each year, with 50% being minors, according to the U.S. Department of State and according to international labor organizations, ILO. Global profits made from forced labor laborers exploited by private enterprises or agents reached $43 billion every year, of which $31.6 billion was from trafficked victims. Nine years later in 2014, the ILO reported forced labor in the private economy generates 150 billion in illegal profits per year, three times more than previously estimated. And my point in putting this in here, because yes, I actually read through all these trafficked reports, they're nightmares and they're lengthy. And I wanted to see, I'm like, okay, if they're putting all this, cause it's not just that, it's Polaris, it's, it's the whole, they're involved in all these tracking databases across multiple countries. And I wanted to see, okay, are the numbers going up? Are they going down? And they're going dramatically up. So are they really doing anything to help? Or is this a tracking mechanism to help them? Absolutely. The children. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And the money on here. And I got to say kudos to uh, this, this little section here on follow the money on the ICMEC was not my work. I cross, I cross checked it to make sure it was accurate, but 
Uh, this was, I got a mouse over the link here. Who was this? This was done by DrainTheSwamp.com. They had put together and traced this money in connection with the ICMEC. Very important part of this. And then as we scroll down, the Clinton Global Initiative partnered with the Polaris Project in 2009 to also build an anti-trafficking uh, approach. And they uh, replicated it worldwide, yada, yada, yada. They have this database in 199 countries. So why am I bringing this up? Because I wanted to cross-reference ICMEC with Ukraine. And uh, before I get into that, We'll first keep scrolling down to um, it's a ways down because, boy, they're connected with a lot of people. You get into the Podestas. I mean, that's a whole oh, wow. we yeah. can get into and the Amber Alert and their ties with that and their ties with Ukraine and the disgusting children art from Tony Podesta. Yep. And obviously John Podesta, very connected in with the Clintons um, and they're friends with Marina Abramovic which takes us down just below that is Marina, who uh, is, you know, all about spirit cooking and uh, blood and babies and using fresh sperm milk and breast milk and fresh morning urine and cutting your hand and spreading blood and just like really, really and, disgusting stuff. And taking creepy pictures with children and with as total innuendo of of you know pedophilia it's all very sick and dark dark yeah. stuff yeah and i know you have um a couple clips on marina let's see do you have those yeah and i know that our listeners are familiar with her but you know zelensky asks her to be ambassador for ukraine to help build these public schools so like all of this is hidden simultaneously right right exactly <laughs> oh and, and so here and here and here's the another interesting tidbit about it or it's way more than a tidbit i mean this is this is huge you know, an arrested child trafficker. This came out really the same week as the Clinton Global Initiative announced this partnership to help rebuild schools, right? You know, an uh -huh. arrested child trafficker admits that they were using a boarding school in Ukraine as a front for child trafficking and organ harvesting. And mm -hmm. yeah, so this, ch this child trafficker has been arrested. He gave it like a full video testimony and he named names, he named the school, he named the director of the school, who's, by the way, named Vassal Koba. And I've found um, that this particular school, I'll show you in a second, but, you know, this was an operation that he was a part of, uh, you know, running out of a, a boarding school, which really isn't like an orphanage. They call them boarding schools. They're like orphanage orphanages mm -hmm. and um they were all of these officials in the school were in involved in it um in tra child trafficking organ harvesting and this particular uh school um was touted here it is here's the school as you can see director vassal koba mm -hmm. uh that's this guy right here um that he's saying was in on it um this school here is being touted you know, as by the ombudsman in Ukraine, <laughs> as yeah. as this great school, it's it's cozy and clean, and how well the children are being fed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All the while, part of this horrific child trafficking ring. And um, here's the kicker: the UN 
um, was the one that put this article out. They're the ones supporting this school. No so, doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, so now let's go back to the ICMEC and let's go over to their site where they say refugee crisis. Nearly two thirds of all Ukrainian children have been displaced from their homes. Okay. So they want to come into the rescue. So if you look at the next tab, we have a whole page dedicated to the support of Ukrainian refugees. I mean, there's there's hotlines, there's links, all this information here. Now we go to the press release I found from July 25th, 2022, where the ICMEC announces a significant new donation to help children displaced by the war in Ukraine. And it says... Today, the International Center for Missing and Exploited Children announces it has received a donation of U.S. $1.13 million from LTS Advisory Limited on behalf of Letter One, an international investment firm. The unrestricted donation comes from the Philanthropic Fund established in March 2022 by the new board and Letter One. The funds will support the charity's work in helping to strengthen Eastern and Central Europe's child protection capacities over the coming 12 months. They plan to use the money to help countries around Ukraine examine and enhance their child protection systems following the recent forced mass migration of children into their countries. ICMEC will work with respective governments, NGOs, and industry professionals to identify how processes and procedures can be improved and capacities can be further developed using expert insight built up over years of work in troubled locations around the world. And they go on to say, that the donation, the source, and the vehicle through which the donation is being made have been rigorously vetted to ensure compliance with all appropriate international and local regulations. So what do I do? I'm like, who the heck is letter one? And maybe some of the listeners know because this is a story I missed a while back, mainly because I really don't honestly know anything about these gentlemen. Well, I shouldn't call them a gentleman because I don't know anything about them. But in letter one, so (laughs) remember the date, right? They say that this philanthropic fund was established in March 2022, and they point out that it was by a new board, by letter one. And the reason for that is because in March 2022, due to the Russian invasion in Ukraine, sanctions were put on the co-founders of letter one. So let me just read, um, because it'll make more sense probably than me rambling about it. The letter one board changed significantly in early 2022 after the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine with all co-founders leaving the company in March, early that month. Letter one froze the shareholders of two EU sanctioned directors and co-founders, Mikhail Friedman and Peter Avon, and I'm probably not saying those right, and removed from them its board, leaving chairman Mervyn Davies in control of the firm. Um, Now, these guys basically let me give you my nutshell version after reading all this because i have more tabs on here but just a nutshell they say okay the co-founders were going to sanction and then eventually there were three other board members that stepped down but then this guy steps in as chairman and says look there's no reason to like sanction the whole company here we're all for ukraine and and the two that they did sanction are apparently like allegedly Russian billionaire oligarchs, but they're Ukrainian also, and they support Ukraine and yada, yada, yada. So their assets have been completely frozen. And what I find very curious about this is they say 
the new chairman says, okay, we support Ukraine. In fact, we're going to donate $150 million for humanitarian aid to Ukraine, and we're going to give some of our ongoing dividends to Ukraine. So $101 million immediately this same month goes to the ICMEC. And I find that sketchy as hell. So the uh, let me go to, and I don't, I probably didn't give you a tab on this. Um, so <clears throat> their shareholdings were frozen. Friedman and Avon shareholders holdings were frozen indefinitely, and they cannot receive dividends or any other financial benefit from letter one, the company said. The two long-term partners who earned billions of dollars from oil, banking, and retail vowed last week to contest the EU sanctions imposed in retaliation for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, both said EU allegations against them were false and defamatory. Letter one said on Monday it would make a donation of 150 million to those affected by the war in Ukraine. Uh, the shareholders have also agreed that all dividends from letter one will be paid to ongoing relief efforts for the foreseeable future. So I found one article and I think I did. Yeah, you have that one that because I'm like, what is this about? Why would I just find that weird that the co-founders would be sanctioned, but not the whole company? Right. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So <clears throat> apparently this is about Mikhail Friedman. This is now, um, let's see, when was this? So fast forward to July of this year, and they're now dealing with the courts, right? Mm -hmm. And the Ukrainian-born Russian business magnate who had become the target of international sanctions following the invasion of Ukraine appeared in a European court this week following a long-running investigation into movements of his personal wealth. Um, I mean, and I don't know how relevant this really is. The point is, is they pushed them out and then all of a sudden they move this money over to ICMEC and, and the money will continue indefinitely to, we don't know where, but chances are some of it will continue indefinitely to this. Um, but I do find it interesting and maybe some people already were aware of this story or know who these folks are. Um they're basically saying that uh, he was guilty of serious crimes, which his legal team, of course, denied. They're saying that his legal team denied the government's claims that he was a beneficiary of an alliance with the Russian Federation President Vladimir Putin and accusations that Friedman had financially supported the country's military efforts in Ukraine. And so it goes on and on. But I just found all of this very interesting, given the people they're pulling in around this, and they're saying two-thirds of children have been displaced from their homes. So where the hell are they moving them all to? And what's really right. going on here? That seems pretty staggering. Apparent. And then you look at the fact that a lot of the money being moved, at least from the U.S. and probably other countries, to Ukraine is being handled by the World Bank, which we've talked about before, who has full immunities. And so... You can't even you can't even like FOIA them. So it's just a shit show. It absolutely not is. Good. It's not good. It, it this, there's so many red flags with this. I mean, the fact that they're running the, these operations right in front of our face, you know, um, Clinton Global Initiative and Marina Abramovic, and it's like they're just shoving it right in our faces, um, yep. as if they think we're stupid. Or they just don't care if we know what's really going on. Yeah. It's I insane. Know. It's insane. 
And, and the same thing goes for with the shit show, you know, with the border crisis, um, yeah. with with um, the massive influx, the invasion that's happening in our border, tons of child trafficking and state sanctioned child trafficking, no less, at our southern border. Um, and I know that you have a lot of stuff you want to say about this whole border invasion. Yeah, I'm going to roll through this as quickly as I can. Um, I just want to point out a handful of things because this is this is escalating rapidly and there's a whole other thing i found that i was telling you about before this um on the border on another area where they're coming in through that uh is is going to go on my borders report that i'm working on after i finish this beast that i'm trying to get done um but it's it's so everyone knows it's it's completely intentional they're creating a melting pot they're creating chaos god knows what they're training as far as terrorists coming through there's trafficking there's so many angles to all of this and one of them i believe is fema camps and so in this one that you're showing here <clears throat> excuse me this is in new york city which i'm sure everyone's heard about by now that's gearing up to pay a billion on hotels over the next three years um to house illegal immigrants but that's just the hotel cost. So Mayor Eric Adams estimates the total cost of the migrant crisis will be around $12 billion over the next three years. And um, they have, let's see, they have more than 57,300 individuals currently in our care on an average night. It amounts to $9.8 million a day, almost $300 million a month. And so in this video, you have locals that are pissed off and they're trying to block them from coming off the bus. And the police, of course, are arresting the protesters. Um, it's, <clears throat> it's disgusting. And anyone who cheers this on because it's not in their state is out of their mind, because I guarantee you, this is going to be happening in multiple states. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's everywhere. I mean, the, can, the, can, go ahead. Can you hear all the noise in the background? Do I need to crank my windows closed? No, you're good. You're fine. Okay. Lots of lawnmowers and stuff going on around here. Um, what were you going to say? Yeah, it's definitely coming to a city near you. Um, yeah. I can't. I don't know anybody that hasn't been impacted by the the border invasion, whether it be fentanyl in your town or some other form of um, adverse effects of the invasion that's happening. Yeah, the major cities are gone. All major cities are have been just between. <clears throat> between the teeny boppers going in and bashing in and you know stealing from stores oh my god i'm gonna have to close my windows okay you keep talking while i close windows this is gonna get really loud <laughs> yeah it, it's gotten so bad so quickly and this is not just a phenomenon at our southern border but we're witnessing the influx of migrants globally um i'm thinking about places in europe where they're having a similar issue of um, failed government policies intentionally designed um, to invade the country um, with immigrants um, to destabilize these locations. This is what this is. It's yeah. a de destabilization operation. It's intentional. Oh, yeah. And we're already over, what was it, like 2.2 million or something? It's utterly Just for this year. Just for this year. And we've got we've got not just hotels but base camps so let's see well before we get to that well if you go to the next one the chicago one i actually want to play this clip because you have to listen to what she says 
to see just how ludicrous this is. And I'm hoping they're going to show the um, picture on the screen that was at the opening of this video of this little 55 square foot per person housing layout of these base camps that they're building in Chicago just contracted a $29 million contract to build migrant base camps. While they leave the homeless out to freeze, they're all worried about getting the migrants into these so that they don't freeze. So let's just roll this two minute short clip so people can get full perspective on this. The city of Chicago has signed a more than $29 million contract with a private security firm to build so-called base camps for migrants. Other services and supplies like bedding and linens, food and sanitary facilities would also be provided. And the deal calls for at least six locations across the city, holding between 200 and 1,400 people. ABC 7's political analyst Laura Washington joins us now. Laura, good morning to you. Good so morning, yeah, where is this money coming from for this contract? Well, it's, it's piggybacking on a state contract, a previous contract for like $125 million, which was really not spent. But it's not clear who's is the state or the city is going to be coming up with the, the, the dough. Hmm. Laura, we're still seeing some migrants sleeping outside of police stations. How quickly could they get these base camps set up? Well, they're going to have to get them set up pretty quickly because winter is coming yeah. and because it's such a crisis at the police stations. And these camps are designed and intended to relieve the pressure on the police stations so to get the migrants out of those locations. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures of these things and the design of them. I mean, and, and the pictures even that we're seeing looks like something out of the Middle East. Yes. Where are they going to be? In the city? I have so many questions. Do they stay there permanently? Uh, is this a temporary thing? I mean, what do you know about them? The Johnson administration has not answered most of those questions. He's had several meetings with aldermen. We know that there's one location on the far south side that they're looking at. They're getting some community resistance already to yeah. that. There are going to be multiple sites, though, and no one knows how long. There's really no timetable. That's one of the biggest problems with this whole crisis is there's no long-term uh, planning, no long-term discussion. And migrants are continuing yeah, they're going yeah. every day. Yeah. And another big problem that a lot of people are talking about, where was this idea to talk about our homeless population and the problem that we have there? Right, and that's something that's come up at some of the community meetings. Uh, we've known about our homeless for many, many yeah. decades, and they're still out, out in the cold. They'll be out in the cold literally this winter while the migrants will be taking care of the tents. It's a big, big problem, and no one seems to have any real answers. All right. We'll keep talking to you, and we'll keep asking. We'll see where this goes. Laura Washington, good to see you this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. Watch. See, that's why I wanted to play it. I wanted people to hear it straight from their mouths. That is how upside down and insane this is, and I guarantee you these camps are going to be coming to other cities. And, I mean, what did that camp look like to you, Edge? A concentration camp. Right. A FEMA I mean, camp. I mean, we've been, we, the, the tinfoil hatters have been talking about FEMA camps for years now. And, um, you know, so here we have this massive influx of um, illegal immigrants coming across our borders. And now what do we have to do? We've got to build up camps. Yeah. And what are these camps going to represent in the future? Who knows? I'm, I'm not even going to go there. So uh, let's roll back over to uh, this adorable 95 year old Korean war veteran who uh, this is back in uh, New York city now who was booted from his nursing home because they decided to sell it and turn it into a facility for undocumented migrants. It's absolutely disgusting. So he said he was, you know, he was given, they mentioned it to him like they might be selling. And then 
all of a sudden he said one day on the board, there was a notice that you have X amount of time. And it sounded like they had less than two months to figure out where to go. It's disgusting. So, you know, what are they going to be doing with uh, hotels, nursing homes, other facilities, probably, um, geez, they could even convert, you know, hospitals that they've forced to close through the whole COVID nightmare into uh, living spaces for them. The point is they're, they're just flooding them by the millions. So then the same day, right, just on the 27th, Homeland Security comes out and tweets, new DHS through FEMA and CBP announced more than 12.2 million in grants through the shelter and services program, which was authorized by Congress to support communities that are providing services to migrants on the same day. Then we've got also on the 27th, they come out with the Biden administration is expected to keep cap on refugees admitted to the U.S. at 125,000. What a freaking joke that is. Like per so, minute? Is that per minute? Or... Right. <laughs> <laughs> As of the end of August, the U.S. had admitted there's see, and this is just a joke. So they're saying that that beginning the fiscal year that that we're going to keep it confirmed that the cap is expected to remain at 125,000 uh, a year, which is a joke because we're, we're in the millions right now. Um, so you can say whatever you want, but uh, we're not going to believe you. And yet they're saying here, as of the end of August, the U.S. had admitted only 51,000 of the possible 125 for the current fiscal year. Well, admitted in what way? I mean, here... On the next article we have, just last week, Biden announced that he would grant temporary protected status to nearly 500,000 Venezuelans who have entered the U.S. over the past 18 months, many of them admitted by federal authorities at the border as they flee a country, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, and then there's all the the jobs. Um, I know several cities. I know Pritzker was one who is... uh, they're giving them jobs. You know, they're getting all these benefits. They're going to be putting people here out of work. Yep. And then at the same time, you've got, I think it was just a few days ago, I remember seeing just a quick clip of Ted Cruz and some of the other Republicans coming out and saying that, look, you know, they've been trying to get answers on the 85,000 missing children. They're not getting any answers. They're trying to, uh, they're insisting they're not signing any kind of budget unless they get something worked into deal with the borders um to get them closed to get walls built on and on uh but you know th- we've been hearing this and they've been fighting this for a while now and then he met he did mention the national guard going out from a couple other states to help texas area so i mean it's just it's just turned into a raging nightmare and the you know, White House doesn't want to talk about it. They don't want to address it. They act like it's not even happening. They they don't even go. Oh, down. I know, I know. AOC says like... nothing. <laughs> but the <laughs> Biden has done more to secure the border than any. What are you talking I... about? What universe are you living in? These people are certifiably insane. And well, maybe some of them are certifiably insane, but the rest of them are actually just lying through their teeth yeah they're certifiably owned yep yep definitely and yeah and they'll everything they say at this point in the game pretty much everything that comes out of their mouths is in opposites yep Uh, everything's a clown show we're in complete breakdown demoralization process 
They're going to flaunt the craziest stuff they possibly can just to break this country down. I know. I know. And and unfortunately, you know, a lot, it's taking a lot of people's time and energy being distracted and, you know, like uh, Fetterman with his outfits and stuff. Right. right. Don't even spend time on that crap. They're intentionally drawing you in to, to take, suck up your energy and time. The border issue is real. The food issue, that's real. The the debate clown show theater, not so much. Right. It's just we can't believe anything that they say. And speaking of debate clown show theater, <laughs> um, that's exactly what we're watching play out in Congress right now. Because while all of these real issues are happening, the the border invasion and destabilization of our country, billions being sent to Ukraine for God knows what, including these so called rescue centers for children and so on and so forth meanwhile congress is battling over funding um for funding the government and including ukraine um in some sort of kind of omnibus type of bill the way they always like to do things throw everything into one giant bill so that they can plunder this sinking ship while americans are the ones left to drown and inflation and debt and, and once again, we're going to, the government's going to shut down. I'm like, let it shut down. Exactly. Just shut it down, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real Republicans in the House um, are a hard no on any more funding for Ukraine. But the Senate is moving forward on passing a continuing resolution to push back that date of the government shutdown from September 30th to November 17th. And in that continuing resolution, expect to see some additional uh, funding for Ukraine to the tune of $6 billion. But I don't think that's going to pass through the House because, as I said, they are a hard no on um, the, the just the, the real Republicans, not the rhinos, are a hard no on any Ukraine funding. Right. But I say I'm with you. I'm, I, I say, good, shut the government down, call their bluff. Yeah. Um, yep. But the, the House is also working on separate funding bills because that's what, what the, um, you know, like the Freedom Caucus, the, that sort of sect of the uh, Republican uh, House, they're, they're the ones that are fighting for separate funding bills instead of throwing everything together into one omnibus. And they're, they've been working on four of those bills and going line by line, cutting wasteful spending in each of them, including bills uh, for the DOD, the DHS, the State Department, and the farm bill. I know you have a lot to say on the farm ba- for- farm bill. Um, the House did strip, the House committee did strip funding for Ukraine from their version of the DOD bill. State Department bill, totally different story because I think there's tons of funding for Ukraine still in the State Department bill. But um, I'm going to hand it over to you because I know that you have a lot to say about the farm bill that the House has been working on. I don't know that I have a lot to say, but I've been following Massey on this because he's pretty much the one who's been trying to kick ass on all these fronts. Um, So the farm bill is up, I believe it's up September 30th, and it runs through, I believe it runs through because um, it comes up every five years, five years I believe. Yeah, it comes up every five years. Mm-hmm. And so it's it comes due like September 30th. Um, but then if they so I would assume 
I'm not sure exactly when when the vote is going down on that. I thought it was supposed to go down this week, but I'm not positive. Um, and then if at, at the same time, separately from that, though, there's four amendments they've been working at, which were going on this week while the the all the other theater was going on. And they were really important ones. Um, and so they managed to pass two in the House, but two failed, which tells you a lot. So um, unfortunately, the two that failed, and I'm not even looking at anything right now, I'm just like going by memory. So the two that failed was the one they were fighting really hard for, which is really freaking important, is on the electronic ID on the cattle. And they were trying to say, you know, the U USDA cannot demand that. Um, if they, you know, if some cattlemen want to do that, it should be voluntary, but they shouldn't demand it because it's literally going to cost um, millions of dollars to, you know, you hit your small and your mid-sized ranchers, which is what they're trying to do. They're trying to put them all out of business. Mm -hmm. And so the House voted and that failed. Um, so what does that tell you? <laughs> right. That we have and a lot then, of fake Republicans. Yeah, and then and then they also failed on the checkoff program. And, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about that. Um, so I'm not even I'm not even going to get into that. The two that they did get um, a really solid vote on that was good is the protecting herd shares, uh, which, you know, when you when you're buying from a local farmer and you can't afford to buy a whole cow, so you're going to share with another family or two. Oh, OK. Uh, and that's really important one uh, because obviously that would not only harm the families trying to buy, but the farmers as well, because they're going to have a lot harder time trying to, you know, unload a whole cow to a single family. So they did get the vote on that. But again, this is all just in the house. And then right. the other important one, which was actually wild to see because I reported on this a couple years ago, um, having to do with remember the Calf, uh, California University of California, I believe it was Riverside that was doing the edible uh, vaccines in the lettuce. Mm -hmm. And I had covered that back then. Well, so now we see this finally made it up to the voting table and they prohibited funds for transgenic edible plant vaccines. So, but once again, this is in the house. So we don't know, um, how far these are going to go. But another thing I wanted to point out is if you bring up the, uh, the one by Massey on the farm bureau, he points out something that people, I just want people to be aware of this. It's uh, not that one. It's the one where it says farm bureau and it's got the screenshot. Well, at any rate, it's, he says, are you a member of farm bureau or do you buy their insurance? They are using your money to lobby against legislation introduced by small farmers to help small farmers. So um, you guys can go in and check that out. I won't, I won't let, you know, labor on about that, but not a good organization. They were all for the um, electronic identification ear tags, which they know is going to crush. It's going to crush them. Small businesses, and, um, small farms. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, and that's what they want. That's what it's all by design to consolidate right. the food system, 
which we've been warning about. I mean, we warned about this farm bill. They were going to try to cram a ton of stuff in this farm bill. And people need to be aware of that. It's not just about agriculture. The farm bill is also about um, food support uh, systems like SNAP programs and, you know, all of that. So Mm -hmm. they also opposed Massey's uh, amendment regarding the shared the 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 number of owners and you know of an animal for purposes of the custom slaughter exemption they were opposed to that so they're not doing shit to help anyone these these guys are owned in fact the other link you had up i highly recommend people go in and listen to it um it, they recorded this a couple days ago the redheaded libertarian had on uh massey and a couple other reps and it was really good i recommend listening to it because they're they're not just talking about these bills and amendments, but they're talking about the lobbyists and the corruption and what's really going on behind the scenes there. And um, yeah, so that was that was a good one. And then what else do I have up here? Oh, uh, we had just a couple of things we were going to close out with. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. The last topic, uh, last of there's one this one and one other we were going to cover um, but yeah, mRNA cancer vaccine, world first. Yeah. Yeah. So I just saw this hit and I thought this would be an important one to include. And I'm going to read this because what he says here, and he has a full article on this, but um, Dr. William Macus, Macus, not sure how to pronounce that. So he says a uh, new article, world first mRNA cancer vaccine. 56-year-old Australian Dr. Richard Squiller was diagnosed with worst possible brain turbo cancer. He's now receiving the world's first mRNA cancer vaccine to treat mRNA-induced turbo cancer. He says, I sympathize with Dr. How do you say that, Ed? Squiller? Scoliers? Scoliers? Uh, He sympathizes with his terminal brain cancer diagnosis, and he wishes him every success with the experimental treatment combination of immunotherapy and personalized mRNA cancer vaccine. I hope it works for him. It is highly probable that Dr. Squaler's hyper-aggressive brain cancer was caused by COVID-19 mRNA vaccines and that it is a turbo cancer. Thousands of Australians are dying from turbo cancer. Dr. Squaler Applied with COVID-19 vaccine mandate in Australia, he kept his prestigious job and university and research positions, while others who didn't comply lost everything. If Dr. Squiller were to speak up now and raise concerns about COVID-19 mRNA vaccines and turbo cancer, he would be denounced by the media that currently adore him. He would be denounced by the politicians and the entire Australian medical establishment that is currently giving him the red carpet treatment. His doctor colleagues would turn their backs on him and they would almost certainly leave him to die. He would be denied cutting edge diagnosis and treatment. He would probably be denied basic patient care. The only reason Dr. Squaler is being treated well by the medical establishment is because he is inadvertently helping them advance a multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical fraud, failed mRNA vaccines. In this case, Moderna's experimental mRNA cancer vaccines. Merck sabotaged its own drug, ivermectin, and now has a multi-billion dollar partnership with Moderna to produce personalized mRNA cancer vaccines. The identical treatment regimen that Dr. Squaler was coincidentally put on, where Merck and Moderna will share profits equally. 
how the pieces of the puzzle finally start to fit together. So that's really important for people to be aware of that they are now working this in, like, like you know, you pointed out a while back that this was going to be worked in to cancer and many other things. Yeah, yeah. And another point to make here is that notice how he acknowledges in this article here that the turbo cancer came from mRNA, quote right. unquote, vaccines. So we're mm -hmm. creating the turbo cancer so that now we can create the mRNA vaccines to treat the, co the turbo cancer. You see yep. how that works? It's it's yeah. circular. So the ph pharma gets it gets you coming and going. So we're going to kill you with one and say that we're treating you with the other. It's all the while advancing our mRNA agenda yep. um, that we now know is riddled with DNA that can be that can corrupt the human genome, and yep. and we're going to make billions in the process of this it's, it's, it's so despicable evil. because cancer patients are so desperate for any cure you know it, it just it just makes me sick mm -hmm. Oof. yeah it, it's so, sickening so so let's just roll out this just came out today so uh thursday so i felt it was um pretty important to show because this is a way how they're going to get all the youngins so excited about this to go out and buy these and there is going to be surveillance everywhere like inside the homes outside the homes from glasses to sunglasses you name it let's roll this wonderful clip from zuckerberg on their new meta smart glasses all right the next generation of ray-ban meta smart glasses these are the first smart glasses that are built and shipping with Meta AI in them. Starting in the US, you're going to get this state-of-the-art AI that you can interact with hands-free wherever you go. We're going to be issuing a free software update to the glasses that makes them multimodal. So the glasses are going to be able to understand what you're looking at when you ask them questions. So if you want to know what the building is that you're standing in front of, um, or if you want to translate a sign that's in front of you to know what it's saying, um, or if you need help fixing this sad, leaky faucet, um, you can basically just you talk to Meta AI and look at it, and it'll walk you through it step by step how to do it. Um, we, we built in one more feature into these smart glasses. You are going to be able to live stream to your friends and followers from your glasses. Everybody is ready to race, and I am getting ready too. Let's go. Switching to glasses. Being able to share you know, what you're doing live with your friends and, and followers while staying completely in the moment is the kind of thing that you can only do on, on smart glasses. So, all right, these Ray-Ban Meta smart glasses, we're launching them on October 17th, uh, starting at $299, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you all think of them. Dude, you know how fast those are going to sell to the teeny boppers? Yeah, they're be... always, it's like the new iPhone. You know, people line up for those. Um, and it really it's... worries me for the young generation how easily they buy into this consumerism because it's leading us towards this path um, of total surveillance 
and turning us into this like transhumanist society. You know, it gets, it's getting closer and closer to just merging that tech with us. I mean, Mark It Zuckerberg is. himself is, he's so lonely as the only cyborg um, around. He wants all of us to be <laughs> automatons, you know, little good, It'll start good with robots. glasses and then we'll move it into the eyes themselves. And then it'll, you know, then it'll go into the contacts and then we'll, then we'll be able to perform just, it'll be like LASIK surgery. We're just going to boop, put it in there. You'll get the upgrades downloaded right into your freaking eyeballs. And as you're walking down the streets and doing your shopping, it'll constantly be on whether you know it's on or not in your Yes. house, outside your house. And every single person walking the streets will be spied on. Yep. Yeah. And and once you start putting it into your body, um, like say for example, Neuralink, which we now know is in human trials now. Um, but yeah, so at what point would would you even realize if you've lost your free will, if it's actually if there's any kind of um Yeah, any kind of way subconscious of controlling manipulation you, subconsciously yeah controlling you, yes, um, to where you're even unaware of the fact that you're being controlled. And I think that absolutely that's, that's the goal. Um, yep it, it's really frightening, um, this kind of tech that's on the horizon and just right, right at our front door. And um, and the frightening part about it is that people don't really see it for what what it is. When when Elon Musk announced that they were in human trials uh, with Neuralink, I was reading. He announced this, of course, on Twitter. Um, I was reading through the comments, Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. and they were all celebrating this. Mm hmm How excited they were for this! I saw Yeah. only one critical uh, comment similar to what I just said about Was it mine? how. No, <laughs> I didn't see you. Did you comment? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, I don't even know if I saw that one, but I do make comments on his often just to point it out to people. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's frightening how unaware the public is of how this could go very dystopian very quickly. And we have every reason to believe that it will because of the powers that be who are behind all of it. Yeah, and they are And rolling everything out simultaneously as fast as they can. Yeah. All right, Yeah. guys. It's crazy, crazy world that we're living in. But, you know, we got to Oh, keep I, keep fighting. I, I just want to say, so for one, we totally missed that our last episode was our 200th episode. Crazy. And uh, next week, it's going to come out on Friday, but it may be like Friday night instead of Friday morning. Um, just to let people know. And I will have my report done by then. So we'll definitely be talking about that. Mm hmm Nice. Now I just 100% committed to it. So no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us today on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, GabTV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, no longer on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to our other platforms. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.